Hi, I'm Alejandro Saab, the voice of Sino and Genshin Impact, Yuri and Fire Emblem Three Houses, Shaolin and Dragon Ball Legends, Miyamura and Horimiya, Leon and Pokemon Journeys, and a bunch of other stuff, and you are watching the Points of Experience podcast. Well, this is an episode, I think, if you enjoy m amazing human beings and just, like, smiling an entire episode um, and being like, wow, that person just seems like a cool dude, this is the episode to listen to because our guest today, Alejandro Saab, which many of you might know as the voice of Sino from Genshin Impact, but you probably know him as Yuri from Fire Emblem, or Shallot from Dragon Ball Legends, which he probably already told you in this intro, because this comes after that, which I'm now realizing. But anyway, his resume is absolutely astounding, and somebody who had found an extremely successful career as a YouTube content creator with his channel, Kagi Films. And it seemed like, if for me, if I had that type of career, like, you tell me, Joe. If you were, you know, hundreds of thousands of people is watching your, your YouTube videos and you're making a great living, I feel like I could just, like, coast that easy. But uh, for him, he decided to say, I love voice acting, and then transitioned and absolutely dominated. And we learn a lot about how he went through that transition and why he did it and how he found success. But for you, Joe, would you, would you, if you had that type of YouTube channel would it be hard for you to just be like yeah i want to just constantly conquer another extremely difficult career to find success in well here's the thing that not a lot of people understand about that and it's the passion played a big part of those you know hundred thousand view videos yeah when you lose that not to say he lost it but if if that dwindles um, it's going to cause a little bit of a rift in, you know, future success and things like that. So if he, if he found passion in something else, he already proved to himself, Hey, I can build something with that. Yeah. Let me do what I'm now more passionate about. I, that's a crazy way of looking at it to, to, to have, cause I think a lot of people get afraid of the unknown. And if you have already found success in something that's extremely difficult, I think that we, and we talk about this on the show a little bit, but to to have that confidence to be like you've done you've done it once before, you know, you yeah. can definitely do it if you work as hard as you did or as passionately as you did in that in that other career. Um, but like, it, it, what people need to understand is just obviously I'm crazy video game player, just like love it, basically kind of my my life. Um, and I found success doing that. Yeah. It's not a coincidence that my utmost and absolute passion, like, gave me success. Yes, if, yes, let's say that. I wanted to be like a freaking professional knitter. I don't know if that's a real thing. Yeah. But I have zero passion in that, and I'm sure that would affect my success in the professional knitting circuit. Not sure if there's a circuit, but I'm sure there would be if there was professional knitting. Yeah, saying. and it, but I also think because, I mean, you have kind of this personality as well where it takes a certain understanding or uh, – understanding of yourself and confidence in yourself to be able to harness that passion because there's tons of people who are passionate about something um and sometimes that passion translates into to nervousness or fear or anxiety or doubt and 
you, you know, there's this, some of the biggest fans in the world who want to be professional gamers or voice actors or on-camera actors, whatever it is. They are devout consumers of whatever the thing is that they are pursuing. But it takes a level of maybe it's blind ignorance because it sounded like from when we talk about his first kind of moving scenario from his hometown yeah. to Texas to just be like, I'm just going to not necessarily wing it, but, you know, I'm going to. He found a scenario that worked out for him, but to even make the decision to say I'm going to uproot my 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 life and kind of success that I already have and go to this other place it, that takes, a, I believe, a confidence in yourself and an understanding of yourself to know that you're going to work as hard as you need to to make it work. And, oh yeah, um, I mean, passion doesn't take you the whole way. No, um, you know, it doesn't carry you much like um. Like you I know, do in Overwatch, my, my Zenyatta game. I got, dude. I, dude, I got you. I beat you. I beat you. I beat you. I beat you. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Overwatch new on the horizon it, here. Passionate plays a huge part, but it doesn't like do it all. You know what I mean? Like you need, a, you need a little like, you know, mix everything. You need like yeah. a secret, secret ingredients. Well, we talk a lot about that here. So if you are curious about how he he got his start, we, we go through his his first experience at Funimation and, and working there and the influence that his, his teachers and his friends has had on his life. Um, it, what a fantastic episode we had here today with Alejandro Saab. So uh, make sure you, you, you hit all the buttons that you got to hit, the reviews that you got to do. Um, I don't mean to give you homework, but it really uh, helps us and we appreciate it. So thank you for being here and uh, stick around for our next guest, Alejandro, Alejandro Saab. Saab. On the Boxers. Points of Experience Podcast. Go! Alejandro, thank you so much for coming on. It is a pleasure to finally meet you. I mean, we've been in this kind of voice acting world connected through Twitter in some capacity. I've seen your work and been a, a fan of yours as we were even Keith was just talking about. I've been a fan of your work um, for, for a very long time now. I am uh, so in awe of how successful you've become as someone who... Um, I, I, we, this is your not the only one. We've had many people who have started off on YouTube and found themselves into a extremely flourished career in voice acting, which is I'm so in awe of that type of kind of like you already have found success in some capacity in one field and to be like, this is what I love. Cause I remember you made a video where you're like, would I choose voice acting or YouTube? And, Oh uh, wow. Jeez. So yeah. So like to, 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 to be kind of like even faced with that and to understand your love with both of these amazing careers, it's just been so amazing to see you continuously become successful. And then even now with like Genshin impact, it's just, I'm so from the sidelines, just been so happy for you and uh, excited seeing all the success you've had. So, how has oh, well, that been? Uh, I mean, it's been pretty nutty. And it, uh, first off, I can't believe you found that video. <laughs> uh, I mean, of course, it's out there on the internet, but I think that video is like, at this point, like, I want to say five years old. Uh, well, I'm a huge Dragon Ball Z fan. Let me preface it with that. Okay. So I've been circulating the, 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 the DBZ world for a long time, and I just remember that as something you talked about. So it's Okay, it's wow, awesome. I'm not a stalker. Uh, I'm not. Listen, I haven't been stalking you. <laughs> I promise. I mean, uh, hey, yeah. that's that's more research than some. So I, I mean, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 been wild because like, uh, it, it, it's been so long. I, I had been doing content creating since 2011. Like, just uh, I was like in high school, made uh, like the, the I was probably in 10th grade when I started making content, if not even earlier than that. 
uh, wow. just posting a bunch of random stuff. And then like, um, and I got interested in the idea of voiceover in like 2012, but I didn't get into the industry until 2015. So yeah, it, it it's, takes, it's just been a crazy yeah. ride. For everybody that we talk to has such a unique um, story and how they have found voice acting. And a lot of people, obviously, it's traditionally, you know, they started out passionate about TV and film or theater or one thing or another. And they went to school for drama and then they found themselves doing voiceover. That's kind of the the age old sure. story of how things, how you know, but, uh, you know, we had Young Yan and we had uh, someone show these people who have had very successful YouTube careers. And then to just see how because it's, it's, it's one thing to be somebody who is successful in YouTube or content creation or whatever it might be, and then to do voice acting work. Like, to do both of those, have credits, have an IMDb is, is one thing completely. Just like as in any field, you know, like Michael mm-hmm. Jordan playing baseball and then going to bas- yeah. or basketball and then going to baseball. Like, you know, like that's... But to, to be extremely successful and talented at both is what I have become so envious of because it takes such dedication and commitment and... I don't know how much of that you would attribute that to, that to, or maybe is it natural talent? Like, where do you find how you became successful in both of these inter- industries, or where did you find the time to become successful in both? Uh, well, the time part, I have no idea. I <laughs> <laughs> I kind of just uh, force it to kind of happen in, in the sense of, like, content creating, because even now, every now and then I'll upload, but I I have, like multiple people helping me in that mm. aspect so because my main focus is still voiceover at the end of the day um but it's uh yeah i, I don't know if i <laughs> when, when, when i was starting out both youtube and voiceover uh on both instances i never thought man i'm so talented i'm so good like i got this <laughs> raw this raw charisma baby no it, it, it's um i feel like it was just i i really liked the thing and I wanted it really badly. So even if I sucked, I was going to do it until I didn't suck. Because mm. um, when I was doing like YouTube, I was uh, just doing commentary. A buddy of mine was like, because I, I went from making these things called machinimas, which were familiar, yeah. It, yeah in-game engine, like using a video game to make a movie. And I I was just fascinated by the idea because of uh, this uh, web series called Red vs. Blue. And that's kind of like how I, you know, wanted to do all that stuff. And then I signed up with a YouTube network called Machinima, which doesn't even exist anymore. And uh, they were kind of the, the people that kind of helped me a little bit because they had this subsidiary of Machinima called Machinima Realm. And... Um, I uploaded once a Minecraft video on there and that thing blew up. And that's kind of like what helped kickstart my YouTube channel like properly. Cause like the machinimas were creative. Like I had a uh, creative fulfillment on those, but the, this commentary thing, which uh, I didn't know was going to be a big thing that kind of like helped. And I was like, Oh, uh-huh. okay. Uh, and it kind of went from there and I still wasn't comfortable, but like, I'm glad I did comment uh, like commentaries and YouTube because um, honestly, it just helped with being comfortable behind a microphone because everybody's so not used to hearing their voice when they first get in front of a mic. At least I wasn't, you know, 
and uh, it's so not. funny because yeah, it's it's just so funny because like when I when I, I remember when I first heard myself doing commentaries, uh, I didn't like the sound of my voice, so I as this high schooler middle schooler I would lower my voice to try to sound older, and I've gone back and listened to them, and I was like, God, how not confident in my own voice I was. Mm -hmm. and uh how drastically my voice has changed because recently this year i listened to my own voice like auditions from like 2017 when i was already in the industry and oh. listening back to them i was like man uh yeah i wouldn't have cast me either this was crap uh i because even then like listening i'm auditioning for these like anime and like other stuff and um and i just heard myself and i was like yeah i wasn't confident in my voice no wonder i didn't book the part uh, but like mm -hmm. now when i listen to my auditions there are some where i'll be like yeah that was crap but there yeah. are some where i was like yeah no i i'm confident and i'm proud of the performance i gave and it's it was just a lot of practice and a lot of time to, to now be in a position where i'm like yeah i i i like my work because yeah. back then and even listening to stuff from back then i'm like it was okay. <laughs> like a bad. Yeah. I have a very, very similar feeling, and I, I listen back to some auditions, and because some of them, I have that feeling of like, it's not a fear. It's not. It's not a feeling of of jealousy or any of that thing. I try to like a like a, an athlete review the tape in a way. Oh, sure. Like the most tangible way I feel like we can be like, okay, what were the choices that may or may not have been present on that person who mm -hmm. booked its audition tape? But what was what was the goal they were going for, and how can I cut that process between needing tons of direction down to get to what something that might be nuanced and really inspiring and a grounded performance? What can I do to to adjust what I've done to get there? Sure. So I'll listen back at that and be like, ah, oh, I, I, I it just—it it wasn't that great. It wasn't that good. Or some that'll be like, okay, they just went with a different choice. But to have that mm -hmm. even uh, a clarity for yourself to be like, okay, I did my best job there, and whatever reason they went with somebody else, they were just looking for that quality yeah. that whatever that that person invoked. It, in, it's uh, the like performance. you might have hit every single note exactly like the other person, but the it might just be as little as like you you sound like one note and they had the other note that they were kind of looking for. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. If you're both at the same acting level, you hit beat per beat the exact same way. But if you're like, I sound like this, and the other person just, I have a little more formal air about it. And it's yep. like, that was it. That it, It's that, sometimes it's just that small. I, I, I realized one thing that, um, I, I like, I think what made me change my perspective and just how i feel about auditions and just voiceover in general was around 2018 i started taking classes with richard horvitz and that oh. is what like changed i think my my entire auditioning process completely and and i look he jokes about how he'll it's like well your entire career is thanks to me and i'm like i mean kind of honestly like <laughs> it, like it, i it just changed completely and since then I, i've been working a lot more consistent i think it's that's crazy how a, a teacher uh, or a coach it's, can have such a profound impact on it's what you might think is so subtle and it can just that yeah. that subtlety is really what we're talking about because those tiny millimeters is what sometimes changes between uh, you know someone who was good and is a consider versus that's the person we're going with and uh, we've had Richard on the show and he <laughs> dropped some of those very specific truth bombs where you're like oh, what sure. but it sounds so <laughs> simple uh, so he's fantastic I want to go back 
back to you having recently listened to your 2017 auditions, what was the inspiration for you to say, I wanted to go back and, and listen to those? What, what, what made you want to go? And I, I can't remember exactly. I know I was streaming and I think I was trying to tell my chat uh, at the time. I was like, so it's just how even one year your voice will change. Like it, it's just like the the progression of your own voice. I think I can't remember exactly what we were talking about. We might have it might have been voice matching. It might have been just myself talking about like it's like yeah, my voice used to be a lot higher, uh, yeah. and it was more nasally than anything else in comparison to now. Because I I really think it's because everyone's like, man, your voice is so deep. How did you? How are you able to do that? And I was like, honestly, just practice and over time with the amount of yelling you might do in a session, your voice is just going to get fried and go lower because yeah. it's not that your range will go like this. It'll be like a slider. Yep. Like because it's like, oh, your voice might get deeper, but you're going to lose your higher stuff. And if your yeah. voice goes higher, you're going to lose your lower stuff. So. Yeah, it becomes a, a negotiation between the way you use your instrument. And, and I'm sure you can do a little bit of stretching. Yeah. You, know, you can you can while retaining those things. But it is very hard to have that elasticity to let you do the, the deepest of bases and the highest. Of, yeah. And, and staying within kind of a, a chest voice or, you know, or not going into a falsetto or, you know, right. putting yourself into a fry. It's very hard to exist there. And. Very similarly, I was listening to, uh, I don't know, maybe it was like a, a gig I had done, but even in being more confident, I think, in the way you are acting, you can find yourself sitting more into where your voice naturally rests, you know, oh, wherever yeah. you are in your speaking voice. Because I, starting out, and even going back to what you were saying, when I was a kid, I used to call Amazon, and I had this high, really kind of, you know, obnoxious voice, so I would always call up, like, Amazon if my package didn't come, and be like, uh, hey, uh, yes, this is, uh, I'd call him by <laughs> half of my girlfriend at the time, and be like, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is, uh, Mr. Miller, because her last name was Miller, I'm like, yeah, this is Mr. Miller, um, uh, we haven't received our package yet i'm trying to figure out uh what's going on here and they're like what what was are you trying to prank us right now i'm like no 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 <laughs> but you know just even having more confidence in yourself to to be truthful to who you are and be like i know what i'm doing when i walk into this job i don't have to put an air on i don't have to yeah. try and fit the mold of what it is you i think you want that can help you find your true voice too and i think a lot of people even people, our peers, people are still finding yeah. their true voice. And I'm, maybe we haven't even found ours. Who knows, you know? I, I mean, I, I will say that, like, going back to Horvitz and things he's taught is uh, one of the things he always talks about is the second reality and that, or, or the primary reality. Man, it's been so long, I, I've mixed them up. The point <laughs> is, it's specifically talking about the, because when it comes to auditions and opportunities, it's we want, uh, we have to find the character's want. Like, so what is our want? And uh, the secondary reality being that uh, the the want in the real life is uh, we want the job. We want the job. And that clouds our judgment. So we're like trying. It's like I, I could be whatever you want me to be rather than trying to just play. You're just like, I want the job so bad. And it, it and just folks can tell, you know, and it's uh, and honestly, like, I mean, it's just when you're really passionate about something like whether it be anime, video game, even commercials, promos, audiobooks, whatever. Like there is if if you're you really want you want it like it, it'll just bleed into your performance. And it's like it, it's unfortunate, but like and it's happened to me. It still happens to me from time to time. But uh, it, it's when you're able to. Forget about that and just play. I feel like that's when you 
you truly shine because it's not clouding your all your acting choices and you're not doing like 50 takes for one line to, to it's like in the audition it's like all right uh i gotta save them no hold on i gotta save them no it's <laughs> you know <laughs> we've all been there we've all been oh there. yeah We're yeah the, yeah, yeah. And, and i think being able to transition that what you may call like the obsession or the passion to get the job because you like the show or you're in love with me if you because i found this too where the jobs i always book are the ones that i'm like i did in a rush or i didn't have a lot of time to think about or i just kind of played it honest and true to myself i didn't really like you know obsess over this thing because i'm like oh my god Mm -hmm. it'd be so cool to be in this or whatever it is however i have had jobs where i've worked really hard on an audition but it wasn't like i'm working really hard because i want this so bad it's it's like i i I can i think of it more like in a theater piece when you're you're reading the script and you're finding the you're you're mining that's different that's different you're looking for the want that is different yeah Mm -hmm. at least that's that's how i was taught it it's different words same meaning exactly so if you can harness that passion into saying i want to work so hard to figure out this character and what they want and what they need and and how do they feel what is the scene that they walked in from who are they talking to what is the air like far away yeah yeah, exactly like all of those things i think that's where the only way you can kind of push obsessive passion into something that is helpful because more often than not as you probably know it gets in our way um yeah you know which, yeah, we're which, our own worst enemies when it comes to auditions. <laughs> well, so so how does something like for you, because I know you, and, and we're going to get back to how you started and everything, but because we're oh, sure. here right now, with Dragon Ball Z, obviously that's been a huge influence in your life, you know, so when you get that opportunity for Shallot, when you're looking at those sides, what what was the process for you saying, okay, I freaking love this this show, this series, this opportunity, this character, like how did you convert all of that for yourself into like, I'm going to get this job or, or I don't know how I got this job. Uh, it's a little of that, a little of everything. Uh, honestly, when I read for the project, uh, first of all, I didn't know it was Dragon Ball Legends. It was under mm. a code name. I think it was project scream. And part of me <laughs> based off reading what it was about, I was like, is this like, I, at the time I was like, is this Xenoverse, which the third game still hasn't even been announced if there ever is going to be one. Mm. But, uh, I remember, looking at the character and i was like first of all just freaking out i i remember i lo- opened my email and i just jumped off my chair and i'm running around my apartment and i was like what is happening because <laughs> i i i love dragon ball i grew up with it i watched it in spanish the first time then english and i've rewatched it like three times ever since and still always forget it because my memory is terrible same uh but with shallot i just kind of like Like we talked about, port that passion into the audition itself. And I'm sure if I hear this audition now, I would be like, God, how did I get hired? Like, because it's just been so long, but I'm really glad. And I, to this day, don't know how or why they decided, yeah, that's the guy. But I'm truly honored and grateful. And one of the the most, like, this, this made me giddy and almost teared up. It was the uh, the producer of the game at one point. He was like, yeah, so when we were casting Shallot, we really wanted something like Yusuke Urameshi. And I was like, you just, yeah, yeah, short, whatever. Yup, yup, yup. <laughs> and I was like, man, this is really sweet. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, I, I love Shallot. And as time has gone on, he's kind of like a culmination of like, 
Vegeta and Goku. Because there are moments where he's all about pride, but he's just so aloof, and I love him. Yeah, it's it's an amazing character, and I think in the world of Dragon Ball, it's there's such, well, there's anime, and I always I always feel like yeah. there's anime, and then there's Dragon Ball Z because the world of <laughs> Dragon Ball Z and or Dragon Ball anything that is Dragon Ball mm-hmm. related, there's just like. I mean, I've been watching it like yourself since the early 90s when it was on Toonami, starting with, you know, uh, the original... I guess I started with the original Dragon Ball Z before Dragon Ball, and then maybe I went back and watched Dragon Ball. Sure, that's usually a lot of people in the States, for sure. Yeah, so I think that's the way it happened for me, but you could always, like, the... The, and and as you experience probably in your recording sessions, there is another layer of like intensity and passion, which is way more recurring than I think in most other shows. You know, it, there's just like yeah. such heart at all times, and these people are like, there's so it, it's fighting for the world at so many times. Where even like other animes and shows where there's stuff going on, I like Dragon Ball Z. It's like literally so often people are fighting to save the world, and and. In your performance, I feel like you can feel that fiery passion, which is in there. And yeah. <laughs> maybe that was you just loving the series and, and oh, bringing that passion into yeah. that, you know? <laughs> but it's, it requires, I feel like, an other, an, another, as there are billions of different genres in voiceover and nuance, you know, the, the varying different styles that you can do. Not billions, but come on, there's like yeah, 20, yeah, yeah. 30, or 40, whatever. But in that type, style of anime, it requires a certain level of intensity. And it, I, I feel like that is something that you maybe some other animes are touching upon but but dragon ball is truly i always still feel as it's its own category of its own do you feel like that even from having recorded for it i mean it's it's just so intense because like even even working on other projects like it's it, 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 like they'll be like oh yeah there's this charge up attack for for a thing like whether it's like a critical move or like uh it's like just using magic or something and literally like Half the time, if not sorry about my dog, by the way. Yes. Half the time, uh, it'll be like Dragon Ball Z like, <laughs> and, and, and it's just so interesting how like I've worked on like AAA games, I've worked on like just uh, even books, and just how the directors will just be like, yeah, I kind of like Dragon Ball. You've seen Dragon Ball Z, right? And I was like, yes, 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 I have. But yeah. it's even recording it. Um, it's always just a different energy because even coming back to for for legends it's it's a video game and it and we do it maybe maybe once a year because of how um just we recorded the bulk of it at the beginning and then um every year that's like oh here's new stuff so you know um but it it, i always get giddy because they'll be like oh this time we're recording for super saiyan 3 and i'm like cool can we lower the voice can are we gonna are we going to do like a Super Saiyan 3 voice? And then uh, they were like, oh, here's Super Saiyan God. And I was like, cool. W- what do we want to do? Do we want to lower it ever so slightly? Do we want to make it more ferocious, more in control? What are we doing here, guys? But it's it's always it's always great. Um, for Shallot, his attack is Wild Cannon. But uh, as, as much as I love Wild Cannon, uh, it was really surreal being able to say Kamehameha. Uh, I was like, bro, this is insane. I, yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's its own beast, I, I will say, and it's always a blast. 
And it's uh, what we were just kind of talking about, I feel like, a journey that you don't get to go on with many characters. You often, even if you you do your work, or if there's an extra season, or there's a sequel to the game, it's often that character in the same kind of status that they were in, moving into a different scenario. Like, you know, season one, season two, season three. But, like, you're talking about these transformations, it's a whole other level of this character that you're exploring. And that's got to be really fun to mine and and explore the way you're going to bring this newfound power to the character that you you don't probably get to do very often yeah and it's and it's uh like i mean with shallot i I do take a little inspiration every now and then from uh sean chimmel since he's the voice of goku so i i know that for for super saiyan 3 since canonically goku is the only one who's had super saiyan 3 uh i i was like oh well we have to lower it ever so slightly yeah. And if the time ever came for the other forms, if Shallot ever has the other forms, I would probably draw from Shimmel again because it's like, okay, well, either Shimmel or Sabbat, depending on the form, obviously. Yeah. But uh, it's it's always it's always fun. It's it's kind of crazy being able to to do all that stuff every now and then. Well, I'm sure the the inner child of you who was sitting there watching, oh, yeah. you know, Dragon Ball Z in Spanish would be like, you get, you know, like those, there's like TikTok videos recently where it's like, uh, it's like someone riding a bike and it's like, I wish I could land this trick better. Wait, we can do this trick. I feel like that's probably what being a part <laughs> of Dragon Ball was for you. And for sure. Yeah. Speaking about this inspiration, like what, going back to being a kid and okay. I believe you grew up in Ecuador, correct? Mm-hmm. So what was the thing for you that got you, I mean, obviously you were talking about the mach- like machinima and watching like uh, Dragon Ball and stuff, but where did you find your creative curiosity? Where did your, were you a, a, a type of kid that was out playing pretend all the time on the, the place that were your friends? Were you acting out scenes in your living room? Were you singing all the time? What was your childhood <laughs> like that you think brought to life this performer that you are are now? Was that not at all part of your childhood or were there glimpses uh, of where like it makes kind of sense that you're doing this? I mean, I growing up, uh, what my parents told me is that for the first three years of my life, I didn't even speak. I couldn't speak. I needed speech therapy. And because uh, apparently I would just talk like just smacking my hands, not like, you know, actual sign language. Yeah. No, it was just it's like I need food. Like, give me like just. <laughs> um, but uh, then when I started talking, I didn't stop talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember vividly every now and then uh, me, my brother and my cousins would would play play pretend of like being Dragon Ball. Mm-hmm. And specifically, I would be Goten, is what I always remembered. My favorite um, character. Yeah, when it came to singing, that 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 is a whole other story that I don't even know how it happened. Um, but when it came to acting, honestly, growing up, I, I had no idea I would be an actor. Um, I, since like sixth grade, I was like, I'm going to be an animator. I was just a big fan of cartoons. Uh, mm. I, I loved cartoons. I loved Looney Tunes, Woody Woodpecker, you know, just uh, everything from like Cartoon Network to Nickelodeon, the classics. Like when I was growing up, most of the cartoons I saw were from like the 60s and 80s because mm. Ecuador would ha- in the 90s was like a decade behind when it came to network stuff, like as I was about to move to the States, Samurai X was just premiering, AKA Roroni Kenshin. Yeah. And, uh, but there were things that we got early that the States didn't have. Like I watched the entirety of Dragon Ball Z and GT all before 2001. 
which the states didn't even i think by the time i moved to america they were just on the frieza saga and they were in that weird transition phase from being dubbed in ocean and then switching to funimation Mm. um but yeah i swore i was going to be an animator i was studying uh animation at a scad savannah college of art and design uh and i did a year of it back in 2000 uh 13 14 and uh i did an entire year studying with like disney animators and like a bunch of other stuff and i at the end of the year we presented uh our projects and i remember it was like animating a sack of flour on pencil and paper because the sack of flour is like the base because it's like oh it has weight and you know where it is and it's like you know and uh i got a b on it which i was like that's fine but like watching my project i was like i didn't like it i didn't i didn't Mm. have fun with it and i was just like i i put myself through hell and back i stayed up to like three four in the morning working my ass off to draw this flat sack of flour and uh i i didn't have fun and for me the thing is when it came to youtube when it came to you know voiceover when it came to like my life if i wasn't having fun i was just gonna stop doing it yeah uh so i dropped out of college and uh i don't recommend that for everybody Hmm. but um uh, for me i was in a position where i could and that's what a lot of people don't understand because then there are people that when i say yeah i dropped out of college they're like yeah drop out of college and i'm like all right slow your roll uh, <laughs> i dropped out of college because i had a youtube channel that was making me a good enough money where i didn't need to have a nine to five job in fact mm. i was probably at the time making uh gosh i i was making like a good i was i was making a couple thousand dollars like uh a month where it would cover like three months worth of rent wow and uh i i was just in a very fortunate position and i had money saved up and i was like uh i told my parents you know what i'm gonna drop out of college and i really like this voiceover thing don't know if it's gonna pan out but i have friends in texas and i'm gonna move to texas and that's what i did and i got really lucky i was very stupid i did not look at the apartment i rented before i rented it i just went for it but I wasn't going to question $600 a month. And I got really lucky. I, I feel like the universe or someone out there was looking out for me because this one bedroom apartment in, in Irving, Texas was 600 a month. Uh, it was actually a loft. It was the corner of the entire uh, complex. I didn't have a neighbor, so I never got noise complaints. Oh. And the worst thing about that place was I didn't have a washer and dryer. But there was a laundry unit literally across the apartment complex. Yeah. And I'm like, I, someone was looking out for me. Because there's no way that all of this, I didn't look at the place. I called up the apartments, uh, the, the place, and I was like, I want it. And they're like, are, are, do you want to look at it? No, I'm good. Are you sure? <laughs> I don't know if I could recommend that idea. I mean, I no, lived in New York City I don't for... recommend that to anyone. Yeah, I lived in New York City for 10 years, and the struggle of finding a place where I could, you know, have a, a record a, a job at any point in time was a nightmare. So to to f- have your only complaint be a washer and dryer in an apartment, you were in an apartment, I'm assuming, right? It was like yeah, a, yeah. yeah. And, like, and the thing was, it, it, I, I even had a dishwasher. 
Oh my, I didn't have a yeah. dishwasher. I never yeah, had a like, dishwasher until I now. was really lucky. I got really lucky. And for 600 a month? And that's absurd. I mean, well, I don't know the rates in, in Texas, Irving. I'm going to tell you right now, they are not 600 a month anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely not. I mean, one of my first apartments, so here's a great context for, for you. One of my first apartments, when I lived in NYU, when I went to NYU, I was living on Broom Street, which is kind of like a nice mm-hmm. area. I was in the dorm rooms, and I was sharing a, like a dorm. It was me and a roommate in the same room, and then there was like four of us, so eight total in New York. And that was $1,700 to share oh. a room with someone. So I was like, I can't afford this. I, I'm, I'm using student loans. I'm like, I have to get out of here and then i yeah. moved into a place on in chinatown which my room was the size of a bed like you could put the throw the bed in and yeah. then like to get it out you'd have to like pull it up you know what i mean oh, and like God, squish yeah. it to get out so it was the size of that and it was eleven hundred dollars just to live in that box in new york so like that sounds six hundred dollars a month is insane so you got yeah. insanely lucky yeah 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 that's uh, that, I, I, I yeah i've been very fortunate um and I, and I never, and I never get, uh, l- l- looked at, I never, I'm really happy <laughs> that yeah. it all, it all played out well. Yeah. What, so what, what do you think was, is that just how you've kind of lived your life in this kind of, I'm going to just do what I'm doing and I'm going to trust myself and bet on myself and things are going to work out. Do you kind of, is that the strategy you use for most things or have you <laughs> I, modified your, your workflow, life flow? How, how, I, how has that changed? Honestly, I still kind of take gambles every now and then. Uh, not like, well, kind of, I mean, I play Genshin, so that's gambling in its own <laughs> self. Uh, <laughs> but, um, no, I, I mean, I'm usually not like the risk taker. Like if I'm settled down, I'm like, great. But, um, Honestly, it's just uh, that's kind of like how I've been. It, it's you got to take the leap, you know. Um, mm. I did that with with college. I like dropped out. I was really scared. My parents didn't talk to me or wanted to talk to me for a while. We're cool now, which because yeah. I grew up. The thing is, growing up in you know Ecuador and being Hispanic and Latino, um, it's specifically in South America. If you don't have a degree or if you didn't graduate from college, you're a failure. Yeah. Which is such a you know the archaic way of thinking nowadays because it's like yeah like you don't need college for everything like if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer obviously go to college because you need those skills but um in the position i was in i didn't need it um because the job i wanted was contract It, it didn't require a degree and such and uh i i took that leap and uh i i knew my parents were hurt and it, it sucked. I felt I felt like crap for a while. And uh, we're cool now, thankfully, because they realize it's like, oh, this was the right move for you. Like, yeah. I had my dad call me on the phone who was so devastated uh, when I told him I was dropping out. In, in, his de- in his defense, I did tell them at the beginning of a vacation, not the smartest time to do it. That's on me. Um, yeah. But uh, he called me one day earlier this year being like, hey, uh, I just want to let you know. Never in my wildest dreams would I think what you're doing is a viable thing. And the fact that you're making it work is insane. Uh, So I'm really proud of you. And I'm like, wow, that's something I was not ever expecting to hear in my life. Wow. Um, But yeah, I like I dropped out of college, which is already like not, you know. uh, And then I moved to Texas. Like in the first thing, the first place I found and I think apartments.com. Like, it, it wasn't like I went digging. I was like, oh, that looks nice. Uh, and I can afford it. And then <laughs> it, around, like, 2018, I, after 
taking classes with Richard, he was very adamant. It's like, you should move to LA. You should, you should move to LA. And I was like, I mean, we'll see. And, um, I got, I, I made an agreement with some friends who they were getting an apartment and they were like, yeah, we just wish it was a little cheaper. And I was like, would it be cheaper if you get a three bedroom and I rent out the third bedroom just, and we'll split it three ways. And it was better for them. And I was like, okay. And I can give LA a try. Yeah. So I got a bedroom with them and I was going back and forth between Texas for a couple of months just to see if I liked the area, if I liked the environment or whatever. And yeah. uh, it was, um, I think the right call. It was weird having to go back and forth, but like, I mean, uh, it was worth it because yeah. I got to meet people. I got to, I took the opportunity whenever I was out here, I was uh, taking classes. I was, uh, you know, like m meeting new people, uh, taking in everything I could, learning the area and just, honestly ended up falling in love with the place and um and then like a year later uh, like even a few months later i moved it was a it was a weird period because uh my my partner at the time uh we <laughs> it, it, it's such a weird circumstance because they're also an actor and they, they, they're from canada and o one visa all this ridiculous insane insanity but um uh yeah i i felt really bad because um they were staying in Texas and I was going to, to LA for a bit. Eventually yeah. they joined me. Um, but it, it's just, it's one of those weird feelings. I don't know. I, it's, it's so hard to describe because I've had this feeling a few times and it's like when I go to a place and I'm like, this feels right. You know, yeah. and it's not like I feel that about every place I go to. Cause I've been to Canada and, uh, I've been to New York and I've, you know, even South America. And I'm like, these places are fine. They're nice. I like them. It's great to visit or whatever. Like I've gone back to Florida and never once have I been like, oh man, I can't wait to move here. Like <laughs> never once in my life. You're but, not missing uh, the gators or like the really humid weather? Absolutely no, okay. not. Uh, not in the slightest. Um, yeah. But uh, when I came out here, I was like, I got the same feeling I did when I visited Texas right mm -hmm. before I dropped out. And I was like, it feels right. It's weird, but it feels right. Like there's something about about it, and and again, I don't know if it's the universe, if it's someone out there just pushing me to do it. Uh, probably Richard, um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's in a sense, yeah. I kind of live my life. It's like go with the the ride the wave, right? Because I, I mean, right now I'm still young. I don't have kids, um, and if I'm gonna do it, I got to do it now. You know, yeah. Um, and, and that's something that a, a friend of mine told me. He he was like, "I mean, you're in your twenties. Might as well do it in your twenties until he's yeah. like, if I if I end up settling down, then it's going to be harder. And then you know, I'd be taking uh, someone else's life away from them. So I'd rather do it now when I have the opportunity." Well, you are very much doing it, and I think at a very colossal, successful level. So I feel like all of the risk or bets you think you might have taken it all panned out in a very good way in a, in a career and a profession that is, just, is so competitive. I think, and I'm starting to realize this, this more and more as I get kind of further along in my career, when you just start seeing the people who you're next to in some capacity, specifically in voiceover, it's like it is – once you've passed through that threshold of whatever that is, you know, you, you, you made it on your first show or you've done your first game, your first anime, whatever that is, I think looking 
looking back might be like, oh, yeah, but that just kind of all made sense. Like, you know, I just took that next yeah. step. But that that step getting through that for a lot of people is so hard to make that it's a step. Leap. Yeah. It, it is. And, and sometimes it's out of your control. It's a lot of times it's luck, whatever it might be. So when you I want to take a step back to when you moved to Texas, what was that first step you took? Obviously, you're taking classes, maybe. Is that when you hooked up with Richard? When What was the first step to get you kind of into booking your first roles what was what were the things you were doing or the places you were seeking out what was what was your strategy once you had gotten there and you're sitting in your six hundred dollar apartment what <laughs> what did you say to yourself well when i was in texas uh the right before i dropped out and everything i was going to a convention uh with some friends because they were like hey you should come by and i was like sure i'm an adult i can just fly wherever now i'm in college so I ended up meeting some friends who I'd known for a couple of years because of indie games and stuff. And uh, when I got there, literally, I, I uh, a YouTube buddy of mine uh, <laughs> who, who actually kind of influenced me into dropping out of college because he realized how unhappy I was. He uh, his name is Rhyme Style is his YouTube channel, and I'm sure he'd appreciate that. He he apparently hit up Gen Fukunaga, who at the time was the CEO of Funimation. And he let him know, it's like, hey, I got a buddy. His name is this. Uh, you should let him go to Funimation for like a tour or something. And then literally as I land into Dallas, uh, I get an email being like, hi, Alejandro. This is Gen Fukunaga from Funimation. Uh, we would love to have you uh, to tour the place. And I'm like, what? So I end up going to the Funimation building. And uh, apparently this is unheard of. I don't know how many people got other than like corporate people sure. but at the time i didn't know how many people got tours by gen fukunaga i thought it was like oh they're gonna have one of their employees like give me the tour and i'm like oh no the the ceo of this company is just letting me walk around and i'm over here dressed in a fairy tale jersey that i got from one of their <laughs> bot sects because if you had pre-ordered it and depending on your number of pre-order that was the number of your jersey and I remember at, he gave me the tour and I kind of fell in love with the atmosphere and seeing the people behind the booth. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that that's what I want to do. That's absolutely what I want to do. And then he forced me to interview him, which was really funny because I was like, I've never done an interview in my life. And you just want me to ask you questions. OK, great. Uh, and, and I remember I upload. Yeah, I uploaded that video on YouTube. It was like an interview for Resurrection F because the movie was just coming out. Uh -huh. And uh, I remember in the comments being like, man, it's almost like he's never interviewed anybody. And I'm like, gee, I wonder why, because I never <laughs> have. Um, and it was sprung up on me two minutes prior. Um, but it was really funny. And honestly, it, if it wasn't for the friends I had there, because uh, a number of them had recommended me to uh, One Piece, which was one of the first shows I did, um, I probably wouldn't have been in that building. Um, I did, but because of that recommendation, I actually got to audition for Fairy Tale before I even went in for One Piece. And I, my first audition, it was for um, a bunch of these different characters, which I didn't book any of them, but I did book another character because they're like, oh, you know, your voice didn't fit for this, but you're great for this guy. And I, my very first thing at Funimation was uh, Drake the Sniper which is really funny because in this world of magic and mayhem, I'm the one guy with a gun. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, is it magic bullets? No? Yeah, all right, well. Uh, funny story about that. It was my first session. It was three hours of my life. 
and I was so excited. Uh, I was just fueled on adrenaline. The moment I got back to my apartment, I closed the door and I was like, I don't feel so good. And I was so, I was on such a high. Yeah. I gave myself a fever. Wow. Yeah. I've, I, I know that feeling very well. And you're the excitement probably with the unbelievability yeah. that you're actually even doing it. Can you, do you remember kind of the, the experience in the booth? Did you feel like you knew what you were doing? I also, I mean, in general, <laughs> I mean, that whole story you just told me, I'm kind of just mind blown with, and I'm curious, just, just half step back to that like do you feel it was because like did your friend talk you up as like was it was it because of your youtube (laughs) channel did he think you were some sort of journalist that was breaking through this new frontier of youtube like what did (laughs) what why do you think that that happened to you can you make a a, like a a conscious i like guess of why that really happened to you well the interview because i you i used to make a lot of dragon ball content on youtube that for sure and i had uh a bit of a following with uh, how ridiculous um, when it came to Dragon Ball, because it, at the time it was me, Rhyme Style, and I believe it was Thundershot. Uh, <laughs> we were all like the Dragon Ball people of YouTube at the time, yeah. like the biggest ones. So it's like, oh, yeah, like he, you know, he's got a following and I'm sure people will be excited for the Dragon Ball movie coming out. So, uh, yeah, I, I, that for sure. For the fairy tale thing, I think it was a mixture of recommendation. Booking it, I think it was because we were a part of this like filler guild. Uh, they were a treasure hunters, and um, my uh, the the other two people who were in the guild were a part of uh, are part of this YouTube channel known as Team Four Star. It was Scott Frerichs and Nick Landis as the other characters, and uh, I was alongside them. And I was like, oh, I wonder if. The theme was because we were all related to Dragon Ball Online in some ah, way, shape, or form. Okay, okay, that's like yeah. that's that's the educated guess because before then I had never done ADR. Yeah, like in classes, sure. Like because I had taken classes with like Sunny Straight and Chris Rager, and I got practice with like uh, ADR and like video games and such. But a- apart from that, uh, my I had never like recorded the flap. I had only like seen uh, DVDs and videos of it's like what it's like. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. And did you just? So I don't think my friends talked me up like that much. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If they so, did. I mean, it takes a lot of talent. Number one to show up to that job and to be able to do it, and then not be like, all right, maybe we got to go recast this and figure out another alternative. Thank God they didn't. You know. So, I mean, who knows? You might be doing. You might not not be doing this anymore who knows we we never know how we're influenced but that's that's a crazy story and it's inspiring because i i think you you get put into these scenarios where you truly have to be able to show up you know you're you're, you're given yeah. kind of the keys and you have to show the goods and for you if that was just putting all your adrenaline into your hyper focus or whatever that might be i mean i i remember my first time doing adr and you're kind of just like i'm gonna pretend i know what every single thing means and when i do something wrong and they're like actually mns means this i'm like oh yeah 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 totally sorry yeah, i was just yeah. reading something you make out. It. <laughs> yeah 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 i definitely i definitely experienced it like that but for you were you somebody who had done all the prior homework and you felt like you had had a grasp on what you were doing or were you asking a lot of questions were you someone who was very conversational with the director how did you find your first moments and your first footings around your first kind of big gigs i think i was really nervous but i hide my nervousness with sarcasm uh-huh. and jokes um with that i i honestly it, it, it's been so long because that was 
that was i want to say in november or, or december of 2015 wow that was seven years ago seven years yeah um and i uh <laughs> i just remember i was uh i was so excited but uh i was working with tyler walker and i believe cal phillips if not patrick morphy and uh it, it was a good time it was i feel like we finished right on the dot <laughs> uh-huh. of the of the time because it was my first time doing it but um I, as far as I remember, I think because I had taken classes with Sonny, who broke down specifically, it's like, this is what MNS means. This is what uh, CT means. This is yeah. what, like, uh, you know, like off screen and all that stuff. So I was I was at least aware of, like, what to do. And uh, I had heard stories like I had listened to that anime show. Uh, with, 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 what is this? Adventures in voice acting. Yeah. Uh, I think at the time, I know that voice wasn't a part of it yet, but I had to listen to voice acting mastery. I was like, I got to be prepped. But I had to listen to those things like for years prior to that. And um, I remember there was uh, a lot of people talked about it. it's like, oh, yeah, like we we like dart our eyes back and forth between the script and the, and the flaps. Uh, or it's like some people memorize the line. And I was like, well, my memory for, for the lines are terrible. <laughs> so what I did was I would memorize the flaps and yeah. then do the line. Cause I, for me, that's easier. Uh, Cause I'm sure some people think it's like one eye is looking that way and the other eye is looking in this direction. That's how it's like matching perfectly. And I was like, it's, for, for those who can't memorize the line, memorize the flaps. I guarantee yeah. it's easier. <laughs> Everybody's got their own preference of doing things. It's so interesting Absolutely. that you memorize the flaps. And it's I feel like there is so many different ways of being successful. I think like I, I, I maybe I'm falling more into the camp of what you do. I just truly try to memorize the whole movie of whatever's happening yeah. and then trust that the, the people who have done the translation, that they've done a good job. So that way I can just kind of like almost forget everything and just worry about the acting and kind of pray that it's going to match up. I, you know, you, yeah. you have to adjust here and there for certain moments. So maybe me, it's a bit of memorizing the flaps, a bit of memorizing the dialogue. And I think it's kind of a, a case by case scenario on what is, is yeah. best, but it's very, very fascinating to, to know that that's the way that you were. I, uh, I was very fortunate. Uh, I became friends with, uh, Tia Ballard, who at the time was, uh, assistant directing and sometimes full-time directing there for a show every now and then. Um, and we were really good friends, uh, not at first, but, <laughs> that's, uh, cause, uh, she thought I was, uh, a terrible human being because, uh, they can't read sarcasm uh, and, and I was being overly friendly. So that's on me, but we're really cool now. Uh, I love them, but, uh, they on occasion would just let me sit in, uh, while they directed so I got to learn watching other actors. And one of the things I noticed uh, a lot of the veterans used to do was uh, they would practice during uh, while they were previewing. Right. So that's something that I picked up on. Yeah. And uh, it's just like it's like while the Japanese is playing, it's like, oh, yes. Da, 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 da. So then you at least also get the words out yep. as well. So uh, that is also something that is great and will help a lot along the way that's a huge tip bob buckholtz told me that same thing because i would have, oh, really i would have moments uh when i was recording neo where because they some studios depending upon what it is sometimes you get to watch it once and then you're instantly recording mm-hmm. they would play it twice so he was like listen to it the first time to hear what it is and hear how they're doing it the second time follow along and then the third time you should be in a place to where you've kind of merged both of those first two yeah lessons. and it's all happening so fast and you have to yeah. have a really great kind of intuition and 
and uh, uh, kind of a memory to a degree. I'm sure you probably don't give yourself as much credit as you you should for how much kind of focus <laughs> and attention and memorization it takes to kind of put all that into a ball because – when you're doing it as much as we are, or as much as you are, it, it, you, you probably don't r- realize how much nuance goes into that whole process. But someone brand new who's experiencing oh, sure. that for the first time, it could become extremely overwhelming. Um, uh, and, you know, you have a knack for it. And or, or however, however you want to accredit yourself for the skill there, that you have. The, the, I do. So uh, uh, there are, um, there's a different studio in uh, in Houston known as Sensei Filmworks, and their method yeah. is completely different than most of the people uh, I've worked with. And they um, just do it. They yeah. they run through the entire episode and match the Japanese, and they do it on like bam, 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 and wow. they just run through the entire episode. Then they go back and see if anything didn't fit. But uh, that's where I picked up this uh, trick where. Um, <laughs> where once I've gotten comfortable with a character, because w- what you were saying reminded me of, uh, I was working on the show called um, How the Realist Hero Rebuilt a Kingdom, and it's an isekai. And it's just, the way I describe it is Bill Nye the Science Guy in an isekai. Because <laughs> there were just moments where he's talking about, oh yes, in your world, you use dragons to transport your shipments. But in our world, we use these things called boats because we went through the the fuel period or whatever the, the hell in our lives. Yeah. Well, because it was just pages and pages of paragraphs and most of it was not on screen or the flats were like super easy to memorize, I would just do it. Yeah. I would just run through the thing and uh, 95% of the time it all worked. And I remember my director, he would be like, hey, are you cool with us having someone shadowing, like just directing? And I was like, yeah, sure. And uh, it was really funny because there would be people would be like, how did he do that? Because I, I just w- ran through like three pages going nonstop. And they're like, how do you do that? <laughs> and then my director would be like, well, you see, when you're really good at your job, you... <laughs> I was like, wow, thank you for the compliment. But, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just but, doing, but that, that's a kind of a, maybe it's just a skill that you have. Yeah. Maybe that's something that you're bringing to the table and. Maybe the, you know, doing as much YouTube as you've done has influenced that in some way where you can talk for... As the a, cold know, as, reading? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I used to, uh, from time to time, I would play JRPGs that weren't dubbed. So I would read every single line of dialogue, which, my God, is insane. Huh. And uh, it, it just helped with my cold read a lot. And now, I mean, there are... Look, my cold read ain't... The, the best cold read of all time, but it definitely did help me a lot. Because I mean, look, audiobooks have taught me that I still stumble every like other five words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so crazy what you were saying about the JRPGs. That just thinks it's a little like a a light bulb in my brain because. A lot of this career, especially on the job when you've booked it, there are a lot of opportunities where you are cold reading that. Yeah. And and there are people that don't understand or even like understand a way of practicing that type of skill set. And that's you you would think like especially from an on camera perspective just that's the background that i come from you know you get your auditions mm-hmm. beforehand you have time to practice and memorize it and you go in and very rarely mm-hmm. are they handing you sides you haven't seen before so when those yeah. times do happen if you're not prepared you know it's like you're like ah you want me to read this right now i don't even know what i'm saying 
That's such mm-hmm. an important skill set, even more so in, in voiceover, because you can have booked a job that you may not have even auditioned for, and you're walking in, and the first line you're recording is popping up on the screen the moment you're about to say it. Yeah. And the fact that you were doing that with JRPGs, it's it's such, it's such a crazy way of thinking. Like, oh yeah, you were training all this time. Were were you? And didn't game? realize it. Yeah, yeah. Like that's so fascinating. And I mean, maybe that's why there's so many people who come from this love of of video games and actually wind up finding a career in doing voice acting. It's kind of a a trend. Whether you become an animator or a writer, but voice actor, yeah. obviously, I think is pretty common. Were you a huge gamer growing up? Was like gaming? Oh yeah. Like, yeah, that's same same for me. What were like? What were some of your favorite games and series growing um, up that you were playing? The first game I ever remember playing was because of my grandma, and it was on the Super Nintendo. It was Donkey Kong Country, sure. which is why Donkey Kong always has a special place in my heart. And I am always like, "When's the next Donkey Kong game, guys?" <laughs> um, but my favorite game of all time, and I've told him this, is uh, Psychonauts. I uh, it's my Rich, favorite yeah, game of crazy. all time. I played every single year, not even an exaggeration. I played every single year to to completion or near completion. And uh, recently, uh, well, last year, Psychonauts two came out, so that's going to be my new tradition. Yeah. It's going to be the first and the second. And if you've never played Psychonauts, highly recommend. It's a platformer, a 3D platformer. It's all about uh, it's about a carny named Rasputin, voiced by Richard Horvitz, which is why I said I told him this. And uh, and he is, runs away from his circus house, his circus home, to go to psychic camp because he wants to be a psychonaut, which is essentially an FBI agent with psychic abilities. <laughs> um, and in this psychic camp. He has 24 hours because he rudely interrupted and didn't properly sign up. So he has 24 hours to get all of his merit badges before his parents come and get him. And during all that, there's a there's a secret in this camp, a mystery of uh, random kids like their brains going missing. And you're like, what is what is happening? And um, each level is diving into the mind of one of the characters in the game Mm -hmm. and everybody's mind is different like uh there is one dude his name is agent nine he's all about organization and control so his world is this box and it's just very plain and simple but when you just bottle it all up and just suddenly break the cog it all goes haywire so you have to fix it again. There are so many cool designs. One of my favorite levels is you go into the mind of an actor. Yeah. And when I was a kid playing this game, because this game came out in 2005, and I've played it every year since, uh, this actor, uh, they they went through serious trauma, and it's insane. Like, their, their mind is the, a theater. It's yeah. a stage. And uh, the whole time, the the antagonist of that level is a is a critic and i was like oh man this guy sucks and as i got older the first time i played it i was like oh i hate this guy but as i got older i was like man why is he so mean and i'm like oh because he's an internal critic because we're all bro my mind just got blown i've been playing this game for years and it just connected it's 
it's so insane because I feel like every time I play that game and even the sequel, I feel like I'm finding out something new and it's just insane. Wow. I mean, I could tell how huge of a fan you are from that glowing uh, explanation <laughs> synopsis. I mean, it's such an, you are absolutely correct. An amazing game. And the voice acting is absolutely phenomenal in it too. Oh my gosh. But that's, I love that when you get to revisit a game and learn something new about it. Because I, for oh, me, for sure. I played so many of my favorite games. I mean, so many of the Final Fantasies, so many of like the mm-hmm. traditional PlayStation JRPGs and stuff when I was a kid. So you don't pick up on everything that you you know with kind of your oh, sure. adult brain. So it's always so fun to like see how well written they are too. Mm-hmm. And you know, as a kid, you're just kind of experiencing it as it as it happens. You're like, so. oh, cool colors and gameplay. Exactly. Yeah, yeah very much so. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like. What were you to say? Oh no! I was gonna say that uh, I the, another game I played was a uh, Mega Man. I love oh. the Battle Network series and Star Force. Yes, uh, and I replayed Star Force for the first time uh, this year a, a, in like over a decade, and I didn't remember it being so dark and mm-hmm. sad. So it's just like, wow, as a kid, you really wouldn't have picked any of this up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or, you know, well, I didn't. <laughs> Mega Man X and Mega Man Legend. I think Mega Man X was like one of the traditional ones where like right. uh, uh, Zero and like Roll were in it for like five seconds. And I thought that was the coolest sure. thing to ever happen. And then Legends, I remember, was on the PlayStation. And that's when like things started getting 3D for the first time. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, this is so cool and so weird. I don't even know if the game was good, but I just remember being in awe of kind of like the technological advances of yeah. Mega Man at the time. Uh, but fun stuff. Um, so cool. I mean, you've had so many successful opportunities and fire, fire emblem is obviously a a tremendous impact in your life. Did that, was that kind of like the first moment for you or was it even prior to that where you felt like, okay, I'm really a part of something special and unique and kind of in this echelon of people who are doing this at mm-hmm. the, the highest tier. Was that kind of, was that Fire Emblem or was that another kind of game for you or it's, series? It's it's so funny because uh, I had a buddy of mine ask me a very similar question when Dragon Ball Legends happened. Mm-hmm. He's like, do you think you've made it? Do you think you've, and I was like, not even close. Uh-huh. Like not, not, not to where I want to be. And with Fire Emblem, I feel like it's a it's a similar sense because I, I love Fire Emblem. I grew up with Fire Emblem, mainly watching my brother play Fire Emblem. Yeah. My brother was a huge fan of Fire Emblem and still is. His favorite is Path of Radiance, as far as I'm aware, <laughs> uh, with like icon stuff. He played that game to the point where he saved everyone and got every character. And that was when if a character died, they stayed dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I couldn't live and, with that. I had to go back and make yeah. sure I live. Couldn't be me. Um, so I remember when I auditioned for Fire Emblem, my brother and my sister were actually in town. Mm. Um, and I was like, oh, it's like kismet. Like, what are the odds? Because my my siblings were visiting. We we're going to go to Disneyland. And the day before we were going, when the day they got there, I got an email being like, hey, we want uh, there's an audition. Uh, can you come in tomorrow morning? And I told my and I told them, hey, I I got to do this thing. So I go into it and I read for Yuri and Balthus mm-hmm. and uh, I ended up and, and I was really nervous. And I told my brother, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I booked it. And uh, he goes, you got it. You, you got it. And I was like, okay. And I remember the moment I booked it, I was like, uh, and I told him, I was like, Hey, remember that thing that I can't tell you what it was, but I auditioned for it when you were here. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, I booked it. He's like, see, I told you, you got it. And then later when it was revealed and I was like, hey, remember that thing I read for? It was this thing. And he's like, you mother, are you kidding me? 
it was it was really funny uh but even then like yuri i definitely think was like a step in the right direction because like it's it was around that time that i was doing characters i wasn't normally doing because hmm. for a while uh, i was i was being cast as like it, it, it like flip-flop you know because of course it does because uh, sometimes you're pitching held sometimes you're not but uh for a while i was like oh you're the asshole oh you're the best friend uh but it was around that time where it's like oh you're the flirt i was like really yeah the sassy flirt and it and that kind of like changed like i don't know ever since like yuri like things started going in like all kinds of directions yeah. Because after that, I started voicing characters who were way lower uh, in than I normally would have. It's like, oh, yeah, you're going to be the low explaining everything type of thing. And, and I was and, and I started to feel like Joey Tribbiani from Friends, <laughs> where, yeah. uh, where he's like, I'm a doctor. And then he'll explain a disease or something. He's like, what I say? Because yeah. that's that's how I felt like every, out of every session, there was just back to back to back it's like science jargon and terminology and i was like yep <laughs> may, may i make a quick assessment on why i think that might be for you why that was working sure i think and obviously i only know you from this experience personally and <laughs> yeah. what you've existed online but you have such a charisma and electricity <laughs> to you as you as yourself i feel like it, it is very difficult. The hardest thing in the world to do in games and all this stuff and any acting is to make that kind of exposition or laundry list of ailments, whatever it is, sound oh, sure. interesting and kind of have <laughs> like and to, 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 to come off the page. I'm like, seriously here. So yeah. and I'm not saying here you're you're making Shakespeare out of every line. I'm not saying that, the, you're, you know, you're overdoing everything like to the to the a very yeah. pontificated version of that. But like what we were talking about kind of earlier in our in our conversation like that nuance that fine line where you can't even like grasp what it is maybe it's that energy and and like that kind of passion that i perceive you have for life and this charisma that makes kind of that it, like hearing that makes it lift off the page i don't know i maybe that's kind of why that happens because i you, you do make everything sound like even like and we're going to jump into this this is where i want to go even sure, with, sure. with sino and genshin impact Mm -hmm. I listened through all your voice lines, right? <laughs> and uh, we had Anne on, like, uh, the last episode and stuff. And um, mm -hmm. I did the same thing. And I listened through all the voice lines. Because I, I was a huge Genshin Impact fan. I played for a very long time. I When, it, for, when it first year it came out, I was, like, AR-56 before anybody. So I know what I'm talking wow. about to a degree. I haven't played much very recently, like, in the past year. But sure. I, I, got I mean, a, I just got to AR-56, like, a month ago. So. Okay. So, yeah, I haven't played in, like, a year. And it's, so I, I went pretty hard. But I sat and I listened to every voice line your character like and it's like a long it's like an hour long video i feel like of, oh sure of like all the story and stuff and i literally was like i feel like i'm listening to like a really amazing story e each instance that was happening so the way it, it, it was like poetry in a way in in a way that didn't it didn't sound like poetry but the feeling that poetry gives somebody mm -hmm. when they're like taken on this ride in every kind of conversation i i feel like you have that skill set and for me it was very apparent in that role which is kind of one of your your most recent so i feel like yeah it, I, I don't know. I, I know that's a very long-winded kind of compliment I'm trying to give you here, but that's that's what I get from you as a person. Do you think that that maybe has a, a an effect I, on your reads? I mean, I I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I would hope. Um, it, it's 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 really nice. I, I have gotten a lot of compliments when it's 
when it comes to Sino, I've been, uh, I, I was really nervous, uh, with Sino, not because I didn't think I did a good job, but because I know how much, uh, I, I'm a big fan of Genshin and yeah. I just want to do right by the fans. And, uh, every now and then I'll like sneak in a little something for the fans. I, I don't know if like Chris will catch it because I know how, um, like I'll soften something here and there, depending on like who, the, like it's like who I'm referring to, like specifically with um, uh, Sino and Tainari, because uh, I know a lot of fans like do ship them. And when it comes to me, I'm like, it's like, look, when it comes to ships, ship whatever character you want, as long as it's age appropriate and respectful mm-hmm. and don't crap on other people's like fun, you know. Yeah. Also, uh, don't ship important. real people because that's because that's weird. Um, yeah, that, and that's also a very yeah. other important thing. Yeah, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, it, like, it's it's little stuff like that uh, that I I wanted to indulge the fans because I know how much like I mean, and, and and even then, like depending if you if you ship the characters or if you they're just like oh they're really good friends. Yeah, it's just a matter of like trust. You know, it's like that he, that Sino lets his guard down a little. But I was I was very nervous because it's like. I know how adamant they are in this character. They've waited for over a year now because I remember seeing that character. Um, and I was so excited because I was like design alone. I was like, dude, this looks so cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I'm really, really happy I got to be Sino because it's like um, it, it's he was kind of like I voiced a character named Tatsuya who was all science. And it was like that, but raising the voice a little. And I was, it was a very specific sound. And thankfully, Chris, uh, Chris Vial, the director was there because he'd always bring me back up. And I'm like, okay, cool. And it, it was just a weird line because he's like, yeah, he's like Batman, but not as low as Batman. So he's yeah. got to be, you know, and, and I was like, it's a very, very specific thing that I had to do. And that's why I was so nervous because it's like, I, I, I want fans to like it. I want to like it, hearing it back. And it's I, I I'm doing the best I can, and I, I think we we came up with something that uh, a lot of people enjoyed. Thankfully, it sounds amazing, and like you said, that's a character that everybody kind of knew about for a long time, mm-hmm. and kind of eagerly awaiting. And I think you've done such a fantastic job, and it's just I really really appreciate it when and it's it's kind of like this new age of, of voice actors who are coming into the stuff where. I just constantly feel like the bar is being raised on the commitment and the the talent that is brought to each and every role that I'm seeing. Like there is it's it is very rare you see people right now because it's so competitive to where if somebody's working consistently or if they're working on a very high profile thing that their stuff is not like that's the shit. You know, I find it very mm-hmm. rare that it comes it comes especially in these these very high profile things like Genshin Impact, like every person hits. You know what I mean? Everybody fits like a glove and I felt like it was that way for you two hearing that back and when you're working on a project like that, we you know, we've already talked about kind of putting that, yeah. you know, out of sight out of mind, but do you feel like having the knowledge that you did of Genshin maybe is what is making it? I know you're maybe you're a critic of yourself and it's hard for you to objectively <laughs> look at it, but like I feel like maybe having that understanding of like this is what the relate and you might call it sneaking in, but I feel like that's sure. just really good homework. 
You know, you, it's like <laughs> sure, under, understanding sure. the relationship between characters because that's what separates somebody who just says the line in an interesting way versus yeah. like that's where those levels and variance and nuance comes from because the way you talk to your dog isn't the same way you talk to your brother, isn't the same way you talk to your mom, <laughs> isn't the same way you talk to your sister, isn't the same way you talk to your neighbor or the person at the store. And I feel like that's where a lot of people who are interested in voice acting get very kind of like singular focused on. It's like, I just got to make the line yeah. sound interesting or even yeah. like whatever that is. So may, do you do you feel like that's – can you recognize that that maybe is how you're doing well, a, sure. a good job in the role? I mean, I, I mean a perfect example, like uh, another character, Kale, in the game, uh, there is this Genshin Impact manga webtoon yeah. thing and Sino is in it. And it's the backstory, uh, a good portion of it is the backstory of Kale and Sino helping, helping Kale, taking, taking her to Tainari. So it's, that's also why it, whenever Kale is referenced, it's uh, Sino, it's like, how is she doing? Because I know she went through a lot and I, I just want to make sure that she's doing all right. Mm -hmm. So it's, I do, I do see it because it's like. There is a passion. It's like going back to the Dragon Ball thing. Like, I, I was so in it because I was a big fan. Yeah. Right? Same with Genshin. I, I wanted to be good because I love the game. I know people like the game. And uh, I just, I wanted to do right by them. And I feel like that is something that does help me when it comes to a lot of the projects I've, I'm a fan of. And um, it just know about, like grew up with especially because mm -hmm. it's like e even doing Pokemon, like I'm like, uh, you know, just be in the moment and just like, I, I know how excited I was watching Pokemon and I wanted to bring that kind of excitement. So yeah, yeah. I, I, it's almost like homework. I don't think everybody needs to, you don't have to be a fan of the thing to, you know, do the thing, but I feel like that's what helps me. Yeah because of how attached and what I want to bring to the table. Absolutely. And I think everybody, their version of homework or their scripts mm -hmm. analysis or whatever that is, character work is, is going to be different for everybody. But for you, if it's going through kind of the materials that exist, the way you can research relationships, whatever it is, I think that yeah. level and dedication to what, you know, 20 years ago was like people were recording animes in like five minutes and they just had to get these things out. They weren't even listening to it or video games. Like very rarely was there as much yeah. dedication and, and passion put into this. But it really we're, – we're raising the bar and I'm very proud to be alongside people like you who just make it – who are so good at what you do. And I don't think of this as a competitive sport in a certain way, but I, I, sure. <laughs> I, I get so much of my passion and fuel for wanting to be better from seeing other people – do oh, a really sure. great job. So like when I'm sitting yeah. and listening to your voice lines and going through that, I'm just going, wow. And and I'm sure you could credit some of it to direction and helping craft that character sure. and stuff. But you see somebody who is so good at what they do and it's you start realizing, yeah, there's no mistake why this person is here and the success that they have. It's like that. It's, it's It all makes sense. And maybe you wouldn't have felt that way about yourself five years ago or six years ago, seven years Definitely ago. Definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> But it's really magical and, and beautiful, and I'm, I'm I'm so happy for you and for people to experience Sino because Genshin's a really wonderful thing in a game that I, I I love and I love the fandom of it, and it's it's amazing. So congratulations! It's it's just really oh, thank special. you. I appreciate it. 
One quick question before we get on to our last question here is what are sure. some of the things that you are doing outside of creating content, voice acting? What is the thing that you're finding like pleasure and happiness in Los Angeles that is filling your life or something you didn't do that you started doing? What is kind of the thing outside of your career and hobbies or I guess not really hobbies, even though you might consider your work your hobby. But what is the thing outside of this realm of of the, the, the video camera and the, the microphones that you're that you're doing that gives you happiness? Honestly, just hanging out with people. Um, it's just something that uh, I've learned after the past year um, that uh, hanging out with people is something, I mean, that I used to do a lot before, you know, the vid. And um, and uh, because of it, I almost became more introverted than I used to be. Mm. Um, but... Uh, this year, after after a while, I was like, you know what? I, I should really make the effort to hang out with people. I'm still really bad about messaging people to hang out. But when I do, I, I, I mean it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it, it's just, I, I like being around people and being around people I like. Yeah. And uh, I pretty much like everybody that I've met. There's like maybe like one person that I can think of off the top of my head. I was like, yeah, I want to. No, they want to be my first choice. <laughs> <laughs> but that's amazing to have that kind of confidence and understanding of yourself and the value of your time and the energy you want around you. I think that's a brilliant yeah. way of, of being. And, and people are great. And I think, if anything, COVID has really illuminated my life to like, yeah, I value human interaction so much. Yeah. It was so funny. You said like going into the to the studio to record, I think it was for Fire Emblem. And I'm like, remember when that was a thing? When you'd go into somewhere yeah, and audition? Yeah, that was right before. Right? That was right right before uh pandemic wow it was insane crazy yeah. well that's that's beautiful i agree with you too that's something i really enjoy um uh and and lastly we we end our episodes uh as it's called points of experience this doesn't have to be related to voice acting it doesn't have to be related to anything professional if you don't want to but is there an experience you had in your life whether that be with a friend a family member an animal uh, a director whatever it is an experience that stands out amongst the hundreds thousands you've had where it had a profound impact on you and you learned something or you it made you look at something differently and you think that somebody listening to this would would benefit from hearing um your experience or or a piece of wisdom that somebody bestowed upon you i know there's a lot to probably pull from but the one that maybe comes to the top through all the smoke and the clouds is there one that stands out amongst uh the rest that you think is like yeah someone might really benefit from hearing this I mean, I, I mean, it, honestly, when it comes to that kind of thing, it, it my mind will always go to just uh, all the lessons I had with uh, with Richard Horvitz. Mm-hmm. It's like he, um, yeah, he really changed the game for me. Like, uh, I, and again, I, he's he'll if you've ever taken a class with him or if you ever decide to take a class, he may joke about how it's like your career is because of me. Um, <laughs> but uh, like, I mean, yeah, like it was the breaking the mold of like how I went into auditions and just remembering to have fun with them again, yeah. like playing pretend. Our job is to play pretend, not to book the job. Yes. 
Yeah. yeah, we hear a recurring theme here, having fun. Um, even Richard himself, he talked about this when he was on the show. And it's, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, a, a, a synergy with a good coach or a teacher or professor is, is paramount to success in this career because we can't know everything. And especially in our young lives, we don't have the emotional understanding of a lot of things that experience and life will bring to nuanced performances. That's why you see, you know, like Patrick Stewart, these people, Ian McKellen, these people who have lived yeah. long lives and they have uh, like it's almost irreplicable it's unable to be replicated the the work that goes into that so learning from someone who's been there done that understands the mechanics of acting is really beautiful so um i think that's a a a great piece of wisdom finding a a great coach having fun and and really just doing this for all the right reasons and not kind of the 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 glamour or the paycheck yeah uh, because sometimes there's not also here's (laughs) another piece of advice uh don't be a dick because people like working with nice people Heck and yeah. that's not just for voiceover. That's just all life. Yes, very much so. Don't yeah, be a, just be a good person. Come on, like that's, yeah. that's a that's a very good piece of advice. Well, Alejandro, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, it, yeah, being around your energy is magnetic. I had I think I had a smile this entire time. I truly love your energy. I think your videos are absolutely amazing. And uh, is there anything else that you would like to let people know that is coming out that you can or a place that they could go? and find you is there signings coming up conventions is there anything you'd like to tell people um, about uh, follow me on twitter at K-A-G-G-Y Films. Uh convention wise I will be attending UwuCon at the end of October in Meza uh, Arizona and uh, yeah I mean that's pretty much it I'm not doing any signings right now but uh, and the only thing I can really talk about is Genshin go mm. play Genshin Heck it's yeah. cool <laughs> Well, this has been an absolute pleasure. It's been uh, an honor and a privilege to know you, get to know you here. And uh, yeah, I would, uh, I hope we get to cross paths in the the real world uh, at some time, at some point soon. Um, yeah, for sure. I hope so too, man. Yeah, uh, congrats. And uh, yeah, we'll have to have you back on at some point as well. So uh, yeah, really appreciate you taking the time, everybody. Alejandro Saab, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Another reason, another reason why we have to start playing Genshin Impact. Um, yeah, it's just that the signs keep telling us um, when they when they introduce fantastic characters with great voice actors, reasons why we should start playing again. It's it's just the world is telling us. Well, I know it's not me that's hindering us from playing, Paul. No, it is definitely you, me, but... You busy dude. Well, it's not just... Bu- Listen, I'm terrified. Like, Genshin, it's like a very interesting relationship to get into. It's like, it is very scary to think about, like, I'm going to get invested in this game again and never want to stop playing, because there's always something to do. I feel like I have a hard time... Do you feel this way with games, dude? I I don't know if I have the... Like, when I'm really enjoying a game, if I have the free will to be like, I'm going to put this down. I'm going to stop playing right now. Or do you feel like you can walk away? You can walk away easily. I can't. Well, okay. Yes, but there's a there's like a condition. With card games, it happens for me. Because if I draw 32 lands in a row, or <laughs> if my opponent top decks lethal with no cards in his hand, or, um, geez, what happened to Gwent? Oh, with Gwent, if someone throws down a backliner that does 12 damage in turn two. It, that prevent that 
You know what I mean? I don't even need yeah. the self control. I just close the game and. Well, that just sounds like it's rage for you. Like it frustr. If the game frustrates you enough, you will stop playing. Yes. Which self control? No. See, no. for me, it, that that actually it's it's the complete opposite, and we know this because we've been playing Magic: The Gathering le- recently, and I've oh been, yeah, we've been both doing really good. But uh, there was like a tournament arena thing recently, and it cost like five thousand gems, which is probably the equivalent of what like thirty bucks, forty bucks. It's Let a me lot. check my receipts, and I'll tell yeah. you how much gems are. Cause... So, uh, you know, I wound up, I think it's like 40 bucks. And I had won this stuff. I won the the gems from doing a previous thing. But I had entered this tournament. I entered it like three times because I kept losing. So, until the, the, the tank is empty, I'm riding that, that baby to zero. Oh, like, there's I know a, that about you. You yeah. know that you know like that episode of Seinfeld where they're driving the car, uh, Kramer's driving the car, and they're like, "We're gonna see how far we can go past the E or whatever." <laughs> That's what I do with games. I li- I push it to the limit, and Genshin oh, is yeah. kind of, um, you know, if there's a hero out there that I like or a character, I want to like see how many of those uh, constellations I can get because. Uh, that's a, you know, it's it's a part of the game. And listen, and then sadly, you get constellations for characters you don't want to play. Yeah, but that's another yeah. story. That's a whole other story. But yeah, Genshin's great. Um, Alejandro is amazing, and his character was somebody I was waiting for since like the reveal of of Sino. So it's so cool to to see him. He's just a really kind of the energy that he has is again. I think there's no mistake when good people who are really passionate and like you can just the the. The charisma is just radiating from them at all moments. I, like I said, I was smiling kind of that whole interview. Um, it felt like we knew him for a yeah, while. Yeah, he definitely seemed like someone we could chill him. with too, you know? Yeah. Like he, he, he has that energy about himself, and I think that's great for when people find success in YouTube uh, because you want to be watching somebody who you feel like that's somebody – you know that's like a homie that's someone who i'd hang with that's someone i could see being a friend and he has that quality and he also has the quality to make it seem like whoever he's speaking to is is very important and uh he has a level of of friendship or interest in that person so um i'm just i'm i just get so happy when i see good people uh become successful so that's uh also reminding me that how much i loved uh i loved um fire emblem um, I really love tactics games. Iconic as hell. Yeah. As old, it's as iconic as I can think of. Yeah, it really. It's a. It, I mean, one of my favorite series, Sweet Code, and has that. Uh, has those war tactical elements too, and that's where I fell in love with kind of that tactics games uh, style yeah. gameplay. Final Fantasy Tactics as well. Um, we didn't talk about Final Fantasy Origins, but um, another fantastic performance in that game. Um, yeah, it's it's Jeez. so cool. It's it's cool to see somebody uh, who's super passionate about what they're working on become successful too, and uh, to know that they're that way genuinely in in real life. Um, so yeah, another fantastic episode. If you want to hit that subscribe button, the like, the follow, the the didgeridoo button that we've now incorporated to all of our buttons uh, or, or podcast uh, things, you could do that as well. Um, but otherwise. We are we're we're up in the twenties here. We've done a bunch of episodes, and this is just you know I feel like we're just getting started. I mean, I you I you steal things that I want to say. Yeah, well like, I'm I'm stop. you know you know what I'm doing is I'm actually watching like, you stop while I talk. All the good things. I see your mouth doing like these micro movements like this, like, <laughs> and I'm just taking <laughs> the words out of your mouth, and I'm just well, that's what I'm doing. Okay, all right. I mean, yeah. I, I guess I'll I'll let you have some play of the games tomorrow on Overwatch too. Okay. Oh yeah, Overwatch, well, baby! I will Woo. take all of them. I'm excited. I'll let I'm you excited. Have some of them. 
I'm okay. excited about it, but you know, I can only carry so much. So we'll see again how how long I can last um, in 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 my carrying spree. But uh, you know, that's where my talents really shine. Uh, in in, yeah. in certain well, games well, that well, every, next week everyone will know what actually happened so, okay. or what's well, happening. We we will we will reconvene and let you all know how well, well I did. <laughs> all right, <laughs> another great episode, everybody. If you have uh, guest suggestions, you can also let us know at info at pointsofexperiencepodcast dot com. And uh, yeah, just make sure to leave us a review if you enjoy this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. But otherwise, thank you for being a poxer, and we're poxers poxing out. All right, thank you, everybody. <laughs>